très spéciale. Like every good Episcopal priest, on important occasions I turn to important books like the complete poems of T.S. Eliot. This is his poem, Journey of the Magi. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey. The way is deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer, palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camelmen cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women. And the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end we preferred to travel all night sleeping in snatches with the voices singing in our ears saying that this was all folly. Then at dawn we came down to a temperate valley, wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door lifting, dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon. Finding the place, it was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember. And I would do it again, but set this down, this set down, this, were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought that they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. You are one of only two congregations that I have uh, felt comfortable reading that to on Epiphany. And take that as a compliment. We, uh, we love the song, We Three Kings, and we, we think of it as a, a joyous, journey that they made and we hear in the gospel that when they saw the mother with her child they were overwhelmed with joy but we forget that the journey was long and hard we imagine the, the gospel tells us neither how many wise men there were what their names were where they came from why there were wise men. But we know that they came from a distance following a star. 
And we know that it was a long way. We, we imagine, or scripture scholars believe, that they came from Persia. So this was a journey of six or seven hundred miles overland in the winter. And they go to Jerusalem and they meet Herod, who is terrified at the thought of another king of the Jews. And so sends them to look for him in Bethlehem and then says, come back and tell me exactly where he is so I can go and pay him homage. And if you read on in the Gospel of Matthew, you find out that homage was not at all what Herod had in mind. But being warned by a dream, the Gospel tells us they returned home by another way. In, in the midst of this impression we have of a joyous journey, we hear an awful lot of dark stuff. Murderous kings, a difficult journey, strange dreams warning you not to go back where you were. And as I read this last week, a lot of the poetry that has come down around Epiphany I find more often than not, we don't get joyous pictures of this event, but pictures that describe how strange and how confusing and how difficult this trip was. So I want to imagine with you for a couple of minutes, why did these three wise men Okay, see, I fall into the trap. I just assumed there were three because of the song we sang and glorious tradition. Why did these wise men leave the places where they were acknowledged as intelligent, valuable people whose advice, information, and counsel should be sought? Why did they leave those places and journey following only a star. What was it that they were looking for? So they say in the Gospel that they were looking for the one born King of the Jews, but what was that to them? What was it that made them get up leave everything they knew, their comfort, travel hundreds of miles to see goodness knows what. I want to suggest to you that they were looking for something more. They may not have known what more looked like, but they were looking for something more. And I can relate to that because I am in the, in the parlance of um, contemporary church development, I am what they call a seeker. I always want more. I want more of God. I want more in my relationship with Christ. I want more sense of God's guidance. And I take as um, kind of a quote that describes me, a, a line from St. Augustine's Confessions, 
which reads, and I may not get this exactly right, depending on your preferred translation, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. And I think that that's what led those three, led those wise men to leave behind everything they knew and set out into the unknown. The sense, the restless sense, <clears throat> that they hadn't yet found a place that they could rest in God's presence. And so, what do we make of this gospel and what does it offer us? I, I would like to recommend to you that we, in this picture, if we were to imagine ourselves in this story, we would not be sitting at the manger with a contented look on our faces, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for important people from far away to show up, and to be overwhelmed by what we have already found. And the church has done that for hundreds of years. We've acted like we had all the answers and it was up to other people to come to us. And that was lived out in colonialism. It was lived out in uh, the Episcopal Church being the very best people in the very best building in every town. But we need to imagine ourselves instead trudging those paths, following a star, leading us we know not where, but trusting that it will lead us to that place where we find our rest, our home, our deepest satisfaction in the presence of God through Jesus Christ. That means that we are all always journeying. We've never arrived. We probably will never arrive because there is always more of what God has to offer us. If only we come with traveler's hearts and willingness to leave behind what feels really comfortable and certain. When God sends someone or something to call us out. I don't know how many of you uh, remember the story of the Hobbit. Frodo was sitting very contentedly, or Bilbo was sitting very contentedly in his hobbit hole in the Shire when strange people appear and invite him on an adventure. And as quaking and as scared as he was, he was also drawn by a vision of something beyond everything he knew. And so he got up and he went. And if we follow that all the way through The Hobbit and all the way through all three books of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, we end with him journeying to the distant shores because once he had found what he had seen, his hobbit hole in the Shire never quite felt like home again. His birth involved the death of letting go of what he was certain of and staying on the path for the rest of his life. When we were baptized, brothers and sisters, we were not 
baptized into sitting contentedly in the pews, having all the answers. We were baptized into a journey, a journey of trust, following whatever guidance God sends us. And we dare not sit down and think we've arrived, because the moment we do, we start to die spiritually. So, follow the star. Always, wherever it leads you. The times will be tough. The road will be rugged. The camel's refractory. But it will lead us to a place that, as T.S. Eliot said, was entirely satisfactory. Amen.